Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Blue Wire. What's your cool news? I got. I just bought tickets to the Jazz Sixers game on the 16th. Ooh. Philly-Utah reunion. Yeah. Very excited. I uh... the, Embiid, the Embiid Gobert showdown is always entertaining. Yeah. We don't have to deal with uh, Big Baby Simmons. Yep. I feel, I feel like I sound like I'm sick. You do sound a little congested. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to finish. Hello and welcome to Unsalvageable <laughs> Podcast. Today we are going to talk about the Utah Jazz. So weird. You sounded just like me. It's <laughs> my best impression yet. Okay. All right. Ready? Sure Three, two, one. Hello, hello, and welcome to Unsalvageable, the Utah Jazz Podcast, We're part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. With me, Sarah Todd, Jazz Beat Reporter for the Deseret News, and as always, my co-host, Greg Foster. Greg, we have a lot to get into today. We do. And can I just start the podcast off by apologizing? Is it really going to be an apology, though? To absolutely no one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I, take the floor. I, I made jazz fans a bit upset. Got what the what the kids call uh, ratioed on the Twitter machine because I made a bold claim here in the great state of Utah. Yeah, and I said that John Stockton is not a top five point guard of all time. Mm-hmm. This is not a knock on John Stockton a bona fide hall of famer and a top 10 point guard of all time, a man with an illustrious career uh, with records that will never be broken and longevity rarely matched. Yep. However, there are guys who played the game better than he did. Right. Um, and, and a lot of people got mad at me because I put LeBron James as the greatest point guard in the, in the history of the NBA. And if you want to get into a semantics argument with me and say that he is a power forward or a small forward, guess what? I don't give a f- <laughs> Because well, Sarah, can you tell me what LeBron James does better than any player in the history of the National Basketball Association? Uh, probably initiate the offense. And bring the ball up the court. Yeah. What are the main responsibilities of a point guard? Well, usually bring the ball up the court, passing, initiating the offense. No further questions, Your Honor. <laughs> I mean, the semantics argument is one that, like, I'm a little bit more apt to do than you are. But I do think if you're going to get into a semantics argument about LeBron James, like, the truth is, is that he's a point forward. Yeah. Which then puts him into the conversation. He's kind of like an unholy mashup of Stockton and Malone. I mean, it's we're talking about Magic Johnson, right? Sure. He was a point forward as well. Yeah. And largely regarded as the greatest point guard of all time. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think I think that's fine. I think the idea of saying that John Stockton is a top 10 point guard of all time is it's flattering. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's a bad again, thing. Again, this is not a knock on John Stockton. He is great. Let me go on record right now to all listeners. John Stockton was a great basketball player, worthy of all sorts of praise. His uh, his life outside of basketball, eh, but we're just, this is a basketball podcast right now. So we're just, we're going to say Stockton was great. There just happens to be a few people who played his particular position and fulfilled those responsibilities better than he did. That's all. Can we get your, your top, your top five? 
Yeah. LeBron James. Yeah. Magic Johnson. Yeah. Steph Curry. Right. Oscar Robertson. Yeah. I put Jerry West on there as well as somebody else who is better than uh, John Stockton. So if you need a five, you can put it there. I'm going to be totally honest because like, I just haven't watched enough like historical games to feel confident in saying that some of those guys are better, you know? Oh, last guy on the list, Isaiah Thomas. Right. So LeBron, Magic, Steph, Isaiah, Oscar. And if you want to get into a semantics argument and say that LeBron isn't a point guard, fine. Jerry West was, and he was better than Stock. I just, I don't, when it comes to like a top five of all time, like I think that number one, those kinds of things are incredibly subjective. Sure. And so like arguing them is nearly moot, but like fun, I guess. Yeah, that's all it was. Yeah. And then also sometimes I like to uh, take a baseball bat to a hornet's nest. It's fun. (laughs) And then also I just like, I don't know enough about Oscar Robertson or Jerry West. I mean, the most that I know about Jerry West is that like I watched him in 2015 hit like 40 free throws in a row at the Warriors (laughs) gym. So yes. Man, still got it. Still got it. I think, Greg, I will not ratio you. I would never. You're such a good friend. I know. I would never. All right. So jazz fans are pissed at you, but we will move on. (laughs) Yeah, whatever. Man, we've got so much to talk about. because So much. We got to do a speed round. The jazz have played a lot of games since the last time that we talked. They've played four games. They're about, they're about to play another one tonight. I think the pod is going to come out after that game. Yeah. So they're going to, they're going to play the Hawks and that's five games and a yeah. lot going on. We also have a ton of other stuff to go through. So let's start it out. Rudy Gobert, Western conference player of the week. He's really good at basketball. He's, he's very good at basketball. Now I just want to say that uh, a couple of weeks ago before the season started, one of my predictions was that Gobert was going to be even better this year than he was last year. And you were like, because he was so he good was last so year. So good. Yeah. And so far, so good. He looks amazing. He's, he looks so polished. He looks so comfortable. You know, there seemed to be a few times last year, especially on the offensive end, that he seemed a little uncomfortable. And I think part of that it was was learning that he was going to play a diminished role and you know, still thrived. And now, like, he just looks like he's adapted into that role even better and is just feasting. Yeah. I mean, he's averaging uh, something like 18 rebounds a game right now. He's, he's looking like prime Moses Malone out there. Yeah. And his defense is, there have already been like two or three games where he has just completely scared people out of even coming into the paint on multiple possessions, multiple possessions. And the thing, the thing that we talk about with him where he's like dominates the whole area of the floor where he just like roams a little bit Mm -hmm. under the basket and people just turn around and back out with the ball. And that, that is always going to be something that's incredibly impressive to me is just the fact that he scares people away. It's he's Gandalf, man. He's Gandalf. He really is. Yeah. There was especially that, that game on Tuesday against the Kings. That was just all, all world, all, uni- all universe stuff from Gobert on the defensive end. He was, he's just, I, I tweeted it out and like, he, I said, Rudy Gobert has a very good chance to end his career as one of the 10 best defenders in the history of the game. Right. He might already be there and he might be like knocking on the door of top five. Like, and I don't think that's hyperbolic. Like he really is that good, that prodigious. And like, is he really seems like he has taken the, uh, the jabs of, oh, he can't defend the perimeter. He can't defend in space. Very personal. And it's almost comical now watching players who want to ISO him on the perimeter. Because if you're not Steph Curry or you're not Kyrie Irving or one of these guys with this like amazing handle and shiftiness, like you're going to fail a lot more than you have success against Gobert. Right. And I will say that I think that the, the Jazz's perimeter defense has taken a little bit of a step up 
this season. Yeah. And I and that's that's doing nothing except for make Gobert look better because he doesn't have to Absolutely. do so many things and he's able to move a little bit freer. Mm-hmm. And it just makes him more efficient when he is guarding guys and guarding guys in space. Yep. And the the early MVP buzz on Gobert, I I I don't think that that's a stretch. I don't. I think it's completely warranted and completely deserved. And I think that if Gobert plays anywhere near the way he's playing, if the Jazz are a top seed, that they're gonna have to one hundred percent consider him as an MVP. Do we do we remember what my prediction was about Gobert at the beginning of the season? Yes. <laughs> I did. I straight up said that I don't think he's going to win the award because I believe yeah. that the MVP is a bit of a popularity contest. You know, and if we're really talking about like the most valuable player on a single team, right? LeBron James would have 10 MVPs. Right. But he's absolutely going to be in the conversation and he has been fabulous. This is this is the best stretch I think I've ever seen out of Gobert. Granted, it's I mean it's seven games. Early season. Yeah, but he has been dominant on both sides of the ball. Right. We're going to get into that a little bit more uh, uh, about some really nice positive things I'm seeing out of Gobert early in the season that have not always been the case with Gobert in previous seasons. Right. Before we get into all of that, we do need to touch on something that we talked a lot about in the last pod, which was that there was an impending story coming out <sighs> about one Robert Sarver and that it hadn't dropped yet. It was taking a long time to come out and... And here we are, and the story has dropped. And it's it's really, really bad. Yeah. I've got I've got a few excerpts. I'm gonna take just a few minutes and read to kind of highlight everything. Please, you know, go to ESPN and read the full story because again, we're kind of just paraphrasing right here. Yeah. Um, but it is it is enough to make your guts churn. Now, this is just a little context for this first first little blurb. This is coming from Earl Watson, you know, jazz legend and former head coach of the Phoenix Suns. Yeah. So this one says in the story, in Watson's first year leading the bench in Phoenix, Sarver asked about the state of the organization where Watson thought it could improve. Watson told Sarver that it suffered from a lack of diversity. Quote, I don't like diversity, Sarver replied, according to Watson and basketball or and a basketball operations staffer with knowledge of the interaction. Another one, um, there's there's lots of of anecdotes about racism. There's misogyny. There's just like really gross, weird sex stuff like this blurb where it says during the. 2009 2010 season sarver entered the sun's training room and saw reserve forward taylor griffin older brother of nba forward blake griffin lifting weights he noticed that the six foot seven nearly 240 pound griffin who had been a serious weightlifter dating back to high school didn't have hair on his legs sarver according to two people who witnessed the interaction asked griffin whether he shaved his legs griffin said he did sarver then asked do you shave your balls too One basketball operations staffer said Sarver separately asked the question of others in the organization several years later. And then this is is probably the grossest thing out of all. Just like absolute psychotic, like sociopathic behavior. This, This reads, when the Suns were recruiting free agent LaMarcus Aldridge in the summer of 2015, the team knew that Aldridge had young children in Texas and that playing near them was appealing. During the recruitment, Sarver remarked to two basketball operations staffers that the Suns needed to have local strippers impregnated by NBA players so those players would have children in the Phoenix area and feel obliged to be closer to them, giving the Suns a potential edge in free agency, the now former staffers said. Like, and this is, these are just three stories in, God, probably a a 5,000 word piece. It's, it's really bad. And I cannot wait for Sarver to lose this team. He's a bad guy. Yeah. And he's a bad person. And, and none of that is to even like get to the fact of like, many, many people in this story saying that Sarver uses the N-word what feels like yes. very often. 
Yeah, like it's just part of like his his day-to-day vocabulary. Yeah. Yeah, there was that there was that uh anecdote in there about um how Sarver basically said uh, you know, well, black people use the N word. So why can't I? And right. like specifically called out Draymond Green, like the yeah. oldest racist anecdote in the world. Yeah. I'm looking at one quote, which is just these N words need an N word. Yeah. Isn't that in regard to like the Earl Watson hiring? Why they, um, Sarver wants to use the N word when trying to explain to a staffer why he preferred hiring Lindsay Hunter over Dan Marshley. Oh, okay. That's right. Awesome. Um, it, it, it just, it's, it's hard to read. It's important to read. Everyone should go and read that story. And it feels like when we first talked about this and we said like, Ooh, like blanket denying everything and getting so far out in front of the story doesn't feel great. And now it feels worse. I'm just going to be singing dashboard confessionals vindicated for the rest of the day. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to be and- singing your hair is everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> However, we do, we, we at unsalvageables have drafted an official statement on the Sarver story. Sarah, can you tell the people what that is? Sucks to suck. <laughs> nope. Is that not it? No, that's it. Okay. That is it. The official yeah. statement of unsalvageable, a Utah jazz podcast. Thank you. Moving uh, on. Yeah, we've got, man, there are going to be a lot of quick hits here today. So just buckle up. Uh, we got to as- just, we got to be, we got to be page turners. Just yeah. bing, bang, boom. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. City edition uniforms, jazz keeping dark mode. This is something I've, I've always had trouble with. I maybe I'm just not the right kind of basketball fan, but like I don't get uniforms just don't like move the needle for me. And so like when people get They're very, cool. I get like very upset about them, like I don't understand. And I like the dark mode jerseys. <laughs> yeah, I think they're they're fine. They've kind of grown on me. They're way better than like the drought meter ones from a couple of years ago. Right. The ones that looked like sunburnt lifesavers. <laughs> <laughs> like it looked like a dehydration dehydration chart. That's fair, I think. <laughs> That's yeah. fair. The dark, I mean, the dark modes are better. They still don't really do a whole lot for me. What I am upset about is yeah. it seemed like we were teased. We were hoodwinked. We were bamboozled. bamboozled. When Rudy and Donovan and the rest of the players were started wearing the Quinn. Utah Stars gear. Yeah. I was getting really excited. Yeah. In the words of, of Winnie the Pooh, I was getting a rumbly in my tumbly. <laughs> In the words of Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> Great. I got a four-year-old. Really, really good stuff. Keep going. Yeah. I just feel like it's, I mean, it seems like a huge missed opportunity to bring the Utah Stars uniforms into the fold, especially like with the 50th anniversary of their ABA title happening this year. They won the title in 1971. Like you've got Ron Boone on staff. Honor right. the guy. You you cowards. <laughs> Honor Ron, Ron Boone, you cowards. Like it's, they're so, they're such cool uniforms and they're fun. Huge missed opportunity. I, I couldn't agree more. The The 50th anniversary thing. And it's just like, it, it seemed like it was right on line and everything was lining up for it. I was so excited for it. Yeah. And uh, it didn't happen. I'm sure that there's going to be something that where they honor them in the future, but it'll be weird when it's like the 54th anniversary or whatever it ends up being, you know, it's, uh-huh. it, it was, it was the perfect opportunity. Speaking of branding misses. Yeah. You were at the Nuggets jazz game. I was. What did you think? 
Uh, well, I like that the Jazz won the game. We'll, okay. we'll delve into that a yeah. little bit later. But uh, the reason we're talking about the rebrand is that arena gives me a headache right now. A lot of stuff it going is. on. It is all over the place. And like, as someone who spent the majority of their career working in marketing and branding, especially, there is so much cognitive dissonance going on in that arena right now that it triggers such a high level of anxiety for me. Like, cause you've got this like kind of like new black and white thing going on with like the weird MS-DOS, like eight bit Nintendo right. type. Um, but then like you actually get on the court and it still has the, you know, the Navy and gold branding with totally different type, you know, and then, which doesn't match the seats in the arena there. There's just ultimately no uniformity. Right. And right now, I don't think the Utah jazz actually have an identity. It doesn't really have a brand. It is everywhere. Like what are the brand colors? Is it Navy and gold? Is it purple and gold? Is it green and gold? Is it you know, the weird copper and black uniforms, you know, or the, the purple and Navy blue, like it's just, it seems to be all over the place. And like the one thing you don't do in branding is Frankenstein things, right? Like you usually like a little peek behind the curtain. It, like when you present a brand to someone, you usually have two or three different options. Mm -hmm. And the number one rule is you pick one of those and then you go with it. You do not mix and match because when you mix and match, that's when things get out of, out of sync and you don't get that uniformity and it always becomes a mess. And that's what the jazz have done. And it seems to me what they should have done is wait until the full rebrand is ready. Like this right. reeks, this reeks of impatience. And I don't know who, whether it's Ryan Smith or somebody else in the, in the front office being like, we got to give the people a little bit of that red meat. We got to let them know what's going on. It's like, no, you, you hold your horses and you do a big grand unveiling, whether it's at the beginning of next season or whenever, and then you roll it out and it's all in sync. It's all uniform and you have all of the DNA. Cause when you're building a brand, it really is like you're building the identity of a company, right? It's the DNA, it's the nervous system. It's the skeleton. It's everything else. It, it's who that brand is. And right now it is all over the place. And frankly, it looks like, <laughs> you know, I think, I guess that I, I might push back just a little bit because I, I think that in the NBA, it, it's such a, a different beast and that unveiling something large scale all at one time would be very hard because like, yeah, they were going to redo a lot of stuff in the practice. It's not facility. supposed to be easy though. It's yeah. not supposed to be like a rebrand is a huge undertaking. Right. But I think, I think that unveiling it all at one time rather than slowly would have been incredibly difficult. And so like the slow push out is something that I'm not so mad out and like, if I keep that in mind, then like this, this period of mishmash makes sense. But I do agree with you that like the period of mishmash, it just, it seems untenable. <laughs> like it is, I, it I is don't know how absolute you mess. Yeah, I don't know how you like fully move forward to a rebrand. Uh, like at, at what point does it become a rebrand if it's, if it's going to go so slowly. And so sure. I, that's that's it's like I don't see the end point yet and yeah. I think that that's what is probably very disappointing and like hard for jazz fans to wrap their heads around is because like you can't look at it and say like this is where we're headed and I think if they had made that a little bit more clear then that would have been helpful instead we got you know Ryan Smith teasing out like oh yeah like all these colors is a bad thing and like yeah we're moving towards yeah, black and white and some colors maybe like it's all a lot of maybe yeah, I think that if he would have been like, this is where we're headed, this is what we're doing, then it could have been a little bit, it could have been easier to kind of take that all in. Sure. And I think I think you're spot on right there. Another thing, though, that does bother me is that if the Jazz do go with this whole just black and white rebrand thing, they are throwing away a ton of brand equity. Right. They're just throwing it right in the trash. Yeah. 
And like, while I am a fan of, of cleanness and uniformity and having that uh, distinct identity, I don't think that you can just completely throw away the past. Right. You know, and I think like, if you ask, if you were to put a poll out, if you were to do a Qualtrics survey, <laughs> yeah. yeah, curated by Ryan Smith, I would bet my house that the high majority of jazz fans would want purple and gold. Right. It's always been the most popular uniforms. It's always been the uniforms that sell the best. It's always the uniforms that generate the, the most buzz. And I'm not saying you have to go strictly back to that, but there needs to be some sort of implementation there. Right. And the thing is, is like, we don't know if there's going to, because again, we don't know what the end point is. Yeah. I do have to say though, again, I mentioned it earlier, but the like MS DOS, like. I think that, I think type, that's, I think that's leaving. I think it I is. I hope so. Cause it, yeah. it looks like and it just like screams like tech bro style. I don't, yeah. I don't like it. I hate it so much. Yeah. I think that that was probably like a, a very hipster suggestion that did not yeah. work as planned. <laughs> yeah. Turning the page. Yeah. Let's keep going. <laughs> <laughs> let's get into some of the games that have yeah. happened and let's start with that, that nuggets game. It was very scary to see Jokic go down and to think, Oh my God, are we doing this again? I, I audibly gasped. Yeah. yeah. Uh, especially with how he was playing. He's Jokic is a joy. Yeah. He is an absolute he, joy to watch. And it, it is, you know, we, we started the podcast by heaping praise on Rudy Gobert, mm -hmm. the best defender, maybe of his generation. Yeah. You know, a guy who is going to, I think, I think that he is, Rudy is going to make the Hall of Fame. Yes, he is. Yeah, he's on that trajectory. No person who has ever won the Defensive Player of the Year three times have been has been left out. He's only getting better. And Jokic is completely unaffected by this man. Yeah, he's so good. It's, it's weird so because like, good. he's so good that like even when he's slow, it doesn't matter. Like he could lumber his way to the hoop. Mm-hmm. And people will just legitimately get out of his way. Yeah. Because he's so good. Mm -hmm. Well, that or like he finds he finds a way to get the shot off. Such a he's high so, release. Yeah, such a high release. And so many angles, especially yeah. when, it, you know, like his little hook shot or his scoop shot or everything else. He plays the angles similarly to how like Kyrie Irving does when it comes to like Kyrie's layup package. Yeah, he's, it, he's just he and he's just such a brilliant mind. And, and none of that is to say that he's I mean, one of the best passers I've I've ever seen. He is. He's he's a seven two Larry Bird. Yeah, it's. That's, and did you see the stat that came out this last week that right now with Jokic on the floor, granted, very, you know, we're only like 10 percent of the way through this regular season. But with Jokic on the floor, the Nuggets currently have the best defense net rating in NBA history. Yeah. Wild. Small sample size. I, I, sure. I'm not going to put a ton of stock in that one, but I yeah. mean. it's Yeah, but it's one of those. Yeah, I'm not putting a ton of stock in it, but it was one of those that you saw and you're like, oh, wow, really? Yeah. That's, that's incredible. That, that Nuggets game. It's it's hard to really evaluate that one because Jokic went out at the half, you know. Yeah, I don't think the Jazz win that game. If I don't, Jokic I don't know. You know, because like, what if what if they get it together and they start playing like Jazz defense as branded? Um, yeah, I don't know, but it's it's hard to go on. But if you move on to the next game, they played in Houston. We don't have to talk about that one. I don't think. Yeah, yeah, they did what they were supposed to do. They beat a really bad team. Exactly. And then they went to Chicago and the Bulls. I mean, this was set up to be a game that the Jazz were going to lose because the yeah. Bulls were riding a high. They just come off their first loss of the season. Yeah. And so it, it's just the emotions heading into that. It was ripe for the Jazz to take an L and they made a ton of mistakes. Yeah. They shot the ball terribly. 
first off, their defense wasn't all that good. No. Um, however, I did see some things that were concerning in that game. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the wounds and a lot of the warts from last season popped up again. Mm-hmm. Like the Jazz simply have a hard time guarding and, and scoring against wing heavy offenses and defenses that can switch everything and move the ball. And, you know, it just seemed like, again, they didn't have their, especially with Conley being out, that's a huge right. caveat in this game. And, and with Conley, I have all the, all the faith in the world in Conley. He's so, so good. He is, he is the engine, you know, he's the general, he's the captain of the ship. Um, but without him, you know, they lose that dynamism and they just, Jared Butler, I think is going to be a good player, but he is, he is pretty far away. I think we were, we, I'm not going to say we were sold a bill of goods in the preseason, but a little bit of fool's gold there. Yeah. You know, and he, he, again, have a ton of faith in the kid, think he's going to be really good, but uh, there's still a big learning curve and he has big steps that need to be made. He's obviously not the, the right answer right now. Um, I really love Eric Pascal and think that he is a, great addition he's still not i think the perimeter defender the jazz ultimately need to fully complement royce yeah so the uh the 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 bulls are a bad matchup for the jazz and it was it was a it was a frustrating game yeah i think you know a lot of the stuff that you're talking about that they did wrong in that game they actually have done right in other games and so and so i wouldn't be too concerned about that and like i said like Donovan's defense, Jordan Clarkson's defense, Mike Conley's defense have all been better Much this better. year. Like, Much like better. Mike Conley probably the same because he's very good. But he's a very good defender. He's just he's he's very he's good. such a well-rounded player. It always it makes me. I had a little time on my hands earlier this week, so I went back through some Jazz fans' tweets when you know from when Conley's first season. Right. Hearing things like. I know I don't know why we ever got rid of Rubio and right. Anyway, it's fun to watch other people eat crow. Yeah. John Stockton's still not top five. <laughs> I think that my 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 biggest takeaway from that, because you know what, we are talking about like the early games of the season. And I don't think yeah. that we're at a sample size yet where we can really say what's concerning and what's not concerning about the jazz yet. I don't think that we're sure. at that point. But one of the things that I couldn't help but think about after that Bulls game was like, if this is what you're going to look like without Mike Conley, listen, number one, I understand it because Mike Conley is very, very good. And he provides so much for the team, including just like a calming ability to control the pace of the game, which I think is maybe his most valuable asset. Yeah. He runs that offense to perfection. Perfection. Yeah. But they're going, they have to be able to play without Mike Conley. Mm -hmm. They have to. And so like, if you, you can't just like drop games without Mike and that be okay, because you might not have Mike during some important games, or he might have to rest more often than he would have last year, or he might be injured and you might have to play some games without, you have to be able to play without, if you lose one guy and that breaks everything, like we're not even talking about this team making anything in the playoffs if they can't learn how to play without Mike Conley. Sure. It is a bit ironic that a team named the Utah jazz, a genre of music that is based on improvisation. Right. Struggles so much without their symphony conductor. (laughs) Yes. Very good. Very good one. (laughs) So proud of myself. So that's that's the Bulls game. They turn around, they're on their first back-to-back of the season and they beat the Bucks. And I think that again, like the game with the, against the Nuggets, like we keep saying, like this is this is why I think it's a bad sample size this early in the season. It totally is. Because yeah, you beat Giannis, but they didn't have Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, Robin Lopez, um yep. Semi Ojale. Wait. Like Jack King. And and there was someone else. Doesn't matter. They were yeah, missing they had a lot 60% of guys. Of their, they had 60% of their starting lineup out. Right. Yeah. Imagine having Royce O'Neal, Mike Conley, Boyan. Boyan out. Right. You're not going to win a lot of games, especially no. against good teams. And so 
I thought that their their defense against Giannis was pretty awesome. good. Yeah. Very and good. so that that makes me think some good things. But again, I'd like to see them play a team like Milwaukee with a full complement of the opposing team's roster. Yeah, it's coming too. Yes. So then they play the Kings again. Mm-hmm. And the Kings we said this when they played them the first time it was you know 11 days before this second game that they played mm-hmm. them and i have really high hopes for this kings team if only they could get rid of the one dark cloud hanging over that team and More that like is puke walton he's a bad coach yeah he's not good at coaching basketball it's funny i was talking to a scout and I was like, what do you think about Luke Walton? He was like, I don't know. Like, you know, I'm, I'm not really sure that he's a good coach. And I was like, well, first of all, I'm certain he's not breaking news. And secondly, that's a, that's bad. Cause that's his job. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like, if I was as bad at my job as Luke Walton, is it his, I would have got my walking papers months ago and that like that goes for the majority of us and it just really speaks to just the the chaotic nature the dysfunction of the king's organization which is such a bummer because that team is good yeah and they're fun and the one thing that i will give walton credit for the one thing right he has them playing very hard just, and I don't know if that's a product of him or just like player pride. Yeah, I'm not ready to I'm not ready to give him know. credit for that. Yeah, I don't know. But that I, I tweeted it out after the game. It feels like they are really on the precipice of being good. They, they have a ton of talent and they surprisingly have a bit of depth. You know, yeah. when you've got Davion Mitchell and Buddy Heald and Mo Harkless off the bench, like that's solid. Yeah. On the jazz side of things in that game. My God, Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley, Whew. so good. I mean, the Jazz, we know, have struggled offensively, especially from deep through this, mm-hmm. through the first few games. Again, I'm starting to kind of buy into the uh, the basketball conspiracy theory a bit. Listen, it was during training camp when I touched that ball. And the first thing I said was like, oh, that doesn't feel right. You hear it, the- you, you, you hear it here. Heard it here, folks. First thing I said, it's like, it feels like a play ball. Like, like you're, like you're gonna, how can I just, it feels like a toy. It doesn't feel like an NBA basketball. It feels like a toy. Why does the NBA continue to insist on fixing things that aren't broken? Yeah. I don't get it. Whether Donovan made a good point after that Kings game, he, we asked him about the ball and he was like, I'm not going to say that it's the ball's fault that I haven't shot. He's like, you know, I changed, I had to change the ball that I played with from college to the NBA. I'm changing again now. Like I'm going to, I'm not going to say that that's the problem, but he didn't say that it wasn't, it wasn't the problem. Yeah. And hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know where to hundred percent fall on that, but when the first time that I picked up that ball, I was like, Oh, I don't like that at all. <laughs> yeah. So, but the jazz, the jazz haven't shot the ball. Well, and when they're, when they're not shooting the ball well and they're still able to win, that's always a good sign. And there have been good things through these first few games when they're not shooting the ball well that are very promising. Boyan being able to get to the rim as much as he has is really, great. really great. He looks great too. Like he came into, came into the season in really good shape. Yeah. And like his body looks, looks really just solid. He looks strong. He looks healthy. He looks right. fully recovered from that wrist injury. And we've Great seen signs. when the jazz aren't shooting the ball well to see them do things to win games. Like we talked about with Boyan, the uh, rebounding effort from Eric Pascal, the uh-huh. rebounding from Donovan Mitchell, you know, when you've got yeah, eight rebounds in that game. Yeah. You've got guys that are crashing the boards in addition to the 20 rebounds that Rudy Gobert is getting. It's, all of those things are good. And then you had, you had these moments in that Kings game where it was like, you just need someone to kind of take over. And 
it was like Donovan and Mike just decided like, okay, we're not getting time. Yeah. We're not getting it done otherwise. So me and you are just going to handle this. Yeah. And they did. It's really nice to have those, you know, aces up your sleeve. Yeah, exactly. The Kings game is such a, like a perfect microcosm of why you gave Mike Conley and Donovan all that money. Exactly. Like there's just, there are just certain players who have that extra gear and have that, like, I call it like the winning time gear. Yeah. You know, where you can just throw them the ball and get out of the way and let them go win you a basketball game. And I think one of the things that comes out of that game is the, the discourse over Jordan Clarkson's offensive struggles to which I say, I am just as concerned about Jordan Clarkson as Donovan Mitchell is concerned about Jordan Clarkson. And that is 0%. Unbothered. I'm completely yeah. unbothered. And people, the biggest, people go through slumps. Everybody does. I wrote about this the other day. We're, what it, we're seven or eight games into the season. And there was a seven game stretch at the beginning of last season. It was games four through 10 where mm-hmm. Bojan shot the ball 24%. Yeah. I'm, and I wasn't worried about Bullion then. I'm not worried about him now. I'm not worried about Jordan Clarkson. Guess what? He's going to continue to get buckets. It's what yeah. he does. And the well, biggest reason that I'm not concerned about him is that his defense is so good. Listen, I'm not going to call Jordan Clarkson an above average defender, but like if you can get Jordan Clarkson making big defensive plays and, pay, and playing average defense, what more do you want from the guy? Yeah. You know, and not only that, but it's like, if you're, let's say like you're struggling at your job and you're struggling at the one thing that you're best at, you know, are you just, how would you feel if your boss just came to you and said, nope, we're not going to have you do that anymore. Yeah. Or are you going to want to work through that and get back, you know, get your mojo back? I do that all the time. There, shoot there are shoots. Yeah. There are stretches through the season where I'm writing a story and after I file it, I'm like, well, that was hot garbage. Yep. I know that that I know I didn't write that well. And I, I'm sorry to people who are going to read it. And that happens for a while. And then I get back to it and then I'm fine. Yeah. All of us, there are peaks and valleys in every profession. Yes. So no, zero percent concerned. Not, I'm not concerned. He's in a slump. He's going to shoot his way out of it. Like, but this whole thing, like I'm seeing online about people, we should bench Clarkson. For right what? Is, yeah. What do you, who, who are you benching him for? Yeah. He's the f- reigning sixth man of the year. He's <laughs> a really good player and he helps your team. Yeah. Like who cares? Sometimes you miss some shots. Also, are I you think guys that-, that fickle. Are you guys that big of babies? I think that people are really, yeah, spoiled. That's the thing. I think people are spoiled by the fact that like, they're so used to Jordan Clarkson being like, it's Jordan Clarkson time. But like you had Joe Ingles in the starting lineup in Chicago and he couldn't break double digits. No. Like you, there, there are players that are just not going to get it done on a certain night. And you don't say, oh, I'm going to bench Joe Ingles or I'm going to bench Jordan Clarkson for what, what are you going to do? Are you going to bring in Jared Butler? Who's clearly not ready for 24 minutes a night and play him in Jordan Clarkson's place and have Jordan Clarkson literally just rotting on the bench. No. Yeah. Who among us, whomst among <laughs> us yeah. hasn't had a bad week at work. Yeah. It happens. It happens to all of us. And you know what? You get past it. I mean, especially with a guy. (laughs) That's what's so weird to me is just with a guy like Jordan Clarkson, where you know it's not going to last. I don't think you can't ask anyone like, oh, do you think that Jordan Clarkson will never be a good scorer again? (laughs) Are you? Yeah. Really? (laughs) Like, are are we just a fan base completely consisting of chicken littles? (laughs) Yeah. Come on. Yeah. And then coming up this week now, you know, those are the games that the Jazz have played coming up. There Can I interject road- just real quick? Please. Okay. Sorry, I, I apologize for interrupting. I know that's rude. No. I'm working on it. This is great. <laughs> However, I do need to just one last Luke Walton shot. Oh, yes, please. Because he sucks so much. Oh, like do. there is a cavalcade, a litany a laundry list of reasons why luke walton should be unemployed Mm -hmm. but the most egregious offense as of late was that final king's possession 
Jazz were up 117-113. And Kings are, are inbounding the ball. And they, they the, the play is a Harrison Barnes post-up against Rudy Gobert from outside the paint. That's what you draw up. <laughs> and like, maybe, maybe you think that Gobert is just automatically going to be on Rashawn Holmes, which very dumb. Do you honestly think a three-time defensive player of the year is somehow just going to sit on the perimeter and not be involved in the single biggest play of the game? Right. The single biggest defensive possession? Right. Are you that stupid? And how do you not have some sort of counter there? Yeah. And not only that, but like, I think part of some of the blame goes on Harrison Barnes, who was good and has had a very good start to the season. But to just have the audacity to fake the handoff and then take Gobert one-on-one in the paint and think that somehow you're going to like do some dipsy doodle layup and, and make the play. Not only that, but... Why are you calling it for Harrison Barnes when Buddy Heald is five of seven from three? And that's exactly what you need. Yeah. He was killing the jazz. Luke Walton, bad coach. Luke Walton, deliberately. I don't actually, I don't know deliberately, but uh, actively. Ignorantly. A bad, (laughs) actively and ignorantly making the Kings a worse basketball team. Well, and it was juxtaposed by Donovan just making the decision to just like sprint into the defense on the next Uh possession. And just like, he was like, I'm just going to run until they grab me, which is just the smartest thing for him to have done is not to try to like play it slow and find a shot. He was just like sprinted through all the traffic and just waited for them to grab him, which is a very smart thing to do is exactly what the jazz needed. They got the free throws. They won the game. We love an aggressive King. We love an aggressive King. Oh, also, before we move on to the games that are coming up, mm-hmm. Hassan Whiteside. I mean, you wrote he's playing like a guy on a minimum contract, which is both true. And he's also playing like a guy who makes big money. Yeah, like, well, he's, he's doing he's, both. He's looking he, he's playing like a guy who wants another big contract. Right. And he's, he's playing. He has been such a pleasant surprise. And I hope it continues and it's looking very good because he did not look good in preseason. And he looks like he's really, he's looking like that light bulb is starting to turn on. And there's still things that he's getting used to. That's, that's the thing that I I, I think feels very positive is that like, he's still setting screens for Donovan a little bit too low. Mm -hmm. Um, He he's a little bit slow to return for like a second screen in some of the actions. Yeah. Um, He's still, I still think he's a little block hungry. Right. You know, he likes to get that highlight play and sometimes he's out of position because of it. But I think, I think even so, like the fact that those are the things that he's still getting used to, especially within the jazz's like system, Mm -hmm. it leaves a lot of room for improvement and, and for all intents and purposes, like, and all reports, he is really, really trying to get those things. Yeah. You can see, you can see the effort is there. Yeah. And I think that's kind of pervasive around the entire team. We've talked about it. Like one of my big positives of the last few games and really the the beginning of the season is the level of effort just across the board. You know, Eric Pascal is quickly becoming a fan favorite. He seems to be cut in that like Trevor Booker, Damari Carroll, Jay Crowder, kind of like hard hat lunch pail guy who like, Jazz fans love. There's mm-hmm. a long history of jazz fans loving that kind of blue collar player. I, he's got a really contagious effort and it's just everywhere. We, we talked about it. Like, you know, even when Donovan and Jordan are struggling from the offensive end, they are putting forth the effort on defense. They're working so hard and you know, you're just, you're just seeing the jazz reap, reap the benefits. Like the thing that's so exciting the jazz are seven and one right six and one seven and one yeah and it doesn't seem like they have played a whole lot of complete games you know it still seems seems like they're kind of putting things together and you're you you have the best record in the league and it's and you're still doing that and you're like you still haven't reached your ceiling exciting stuff yeah the games coming up they play uh we're recording this on 
uh, Thursday, they play the Hawks tonight. They play the heat on Saturday and they've got a back-to-back in Orlando on Sunday. I, now I'm just going to pause it a guess and say that I think that they probably are going to rest Mike on the second night of that back-to-back. So yeah, they have I think him he plays against in the Miami. Heat. Yeah. Um, and that would be the right decision. I think that's that's the game on this trip that everybody is going to be looking forward to. I think the game tonight against the Hawks and how they handled Trey and his movement yep. is going to be interesting. Uh, but the Hawks haven't really been playing that great lately. Yeah, they're they're four and four on the season. Right. I think, though, that game against Miami is yeah. going to be the toughest test of the season thus far. Miami's playing like the best team in the league right now. They're really, really good. And the stats, stats don't lie. They're first in net rating. They're first in defense. They're second in offense. Yeah. And like, like, like the jazz, they're six and one on the season. Yeah. And they've beat, you know, they beat the nets at full strength. I mean, outside of Tyree, but I don't know. We don't count him. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think he's, I I don't think he's playing like he's busy playing flag football right now (laughs) and they beat the bucks. And, you know, and I watched that game a couple nights ago and they just, they absolutely just suffocated the Mavericks. Yeah. They're really, really good. And the Lowry acquisition just can't really be overstated enough. That was so, so good for them. Yeah. Yeah. They're looking like a team, like a, a very legitimate title contender. Bam, one of the better, versatile, more versatile bigs in the league. He's awesome. Jimmy Butler playing like an MVP. Yeah. Especially in a season where free throws are down throughout the entire league. Jimmy Butler shot 17 free throws against the Mavericks. He's getting to the line, you know, and, and they're just that heat team is so balanced and they have, they have scorers and they have shooters, right. You know, and Tyler hero having a huge resurgence. We haven't seen him play this well since the bubble. He's looking like the odds on favorite for a six man of the year right now. Yeah. So the jazz, I think are really going to be pushed. If they can go and get a win in Miami, choo choo. I'm all the way on that, on the way on that train. Yeah. I think, I mean, especially because like the good teams that the jazz have seen so far, they haven't been at full strength. I think that the Miami game is going to be the biggest one yet. Yep. And um, we'll have a, we'll have a lot more to talk about after that game and, Mm -hmm. and we'll circle back and we'll have all those conversations uh, after at the conclusion of this road trip and then after they after they leave this trip they're going to come back home and they'll play the hawks again so like the kings they'll have another one of those yeah. things where they play the same team in like a week and a half yep what's your <sighs> prediction for this road trip i think that the jazz are gonna are gonna sweep the trip really i do wow if if the jazz sweep this trip I'm fully on board. Yeah. I think that I, I mean, and predictions are, you know. Yeah. I think they're, they go two they're what one. they are because I think, I think that they're They understand what they're about to, about to see in Miami, you know, who's like right now, as far as the season goes, like the counterpart in the Eastern conference. I think that's a game that they're going to want to really come out and play it. Like it's a playoff game. Yeah. I mean, and they're going to have to, they have to. Yeah. Yeah. And like one thing that I'm so impressed, I know I'm just gushing about this Miami team, but I really like them. (laughs) They do not let you get into the paint. Their defense is so good. And if you can beat them, if the jazz are going to beat them, they're going to have to have one of those like 20, 20 made three point kind of games. Yeah. Cause that's how Bam out of bio. (laughs) He's so good. So good. You know, and Jimmy Butler's a good defender and Kyle Lowry's a good defender. Like they're yeah. just, they're just suffocating and they just, they just have dudes. Yeah. It's, they just got guys. I kind of think that Bam might be the biggest problem for them. Yeah. Like Jimmy, Although Jimmy is Gobert going to has be kind of had his way with, with Bam in previous matchups, but we'll see. I don't know. Right. I mean, Bam's I think that really, Bam's, really good. Bam's footwork just looks so good this season. He looks great. Yeah. I don't know. That's, I'm really looking forward to it. Now that we're talking about that, I, I wish that it was Saturday because now I got to go watch the Hawks play. I got my, I got, got my popcorn. It's all ready to go. That game's going to be exciting. 
it is going to be exciting. Greg, any, any last thoughts before we put a bow on this one? There's one other thing I wanted to say that yeah. uh, should have jazz fans very excited. And yes. I saw it in the Kings game and I definitely saw it in the, uh, the Nuggets game. A huge improvement of Rudy Gobert that we have not seen in years past. And it's something that has hurt the jazz tremendously mm -hmm. is that when teams go small, Gobert has not been able to punish teams offensively. Right. And really just make them pay by going small and using his force and using his size to his advantage. Uh, he's doing that now. He did right. it against Denver. He did it against the Kings when they went small. That is a huge sign. That is right. a sign of like, if, if he can do that moving forward and then, you know, into the playoffs, that might be the biggest wart that's been removed from this team. Yeah. And Cause I think that, I think that when we've talked about it in the past about having a problem with the teams playing small ball, that the, the problem isn't necessarily the defense. Uh -oh. if, if there's a problem with the defense, it's the, it's the jazz's smaller defenders. Yeah. The problem the bigger problem is probably the offense where Gobert needs to be able, as you said, to punish teams for playing small. Mm -hmm. And like you said, I mean, against the Kings, it, in both games against the Kings, mm -hmm. incredibly impressive. Especially that fourth quarter where he was rolling to the rim and he, he got, I thought it was six or eight free throws in the, yeah. in the, the in crunch time and he was hitting his free throws which is great like yeah not, you're not always just going to be able to dunk the ball but if you're drawing fouls and hitting those free throws that is such such a good sign yeah and I don't know who fixed Rudy Gobert's free throw form and just his overall approach to the free throw line give that guy a raise a big give that guy a promotion give him a trophy give him the key to the city <laughs> yeah. Gobert it's and it's wild too because Gobert is he gets better from the free throw line as the game progresses well and that's historical for Rudy actually he historically shoots better from the free throw line in the fourth quarter which like doesn't make any sense why teams would go hack Gobert yeah it's so weird it's that, like the, they, the numbers are there the numbers are there that say like he yeah. He shoots like Denver, 80% in the fourth quarter. Yeah. That's what Denver did. Yeah. And that doesn't make sense. I, I kind of understand. I mean, he did miss, I think like four, four free throws early in that game in the first half. Uh, but again, that's what he does. Like these teams have all of this information. Yeah. But that, that hit go bears clutch free throw shooting helped win them two games, two close yeah. games. And I don't know that, that, that Kings game got me real. Both of them got me really excited. Like those are just ugly grinded out games. And those are games that the jazz found ways to lose in previous seasons, right? That they're figuring out and getting those games and getting those grind out games early in the season too, and getting tested. <clears throat> just love to see it. Very, very high, it. very excited for this team. If they can, if they can sweep this series or, or, or this road trip, I'm fully on board. Again, I got the Bobby Bacala train hat on. Yeah. And even if they go in two and one, I think that's a really successful trip. And I think they do. I think they beat Atlanta. I don't think they win against uh, Miami. Uh, and Orlando is poop butt. So they're going to win that game. <laughs> and with that, folks, you know what to do. <laughs> Rate, review, subscribe, download, do all of the things. Follow Greg at Dad Sham Dad. Follow me at NBA Sarah. Follow the show at Unsalvageables. Send us an email, unsalvageablepod at gmail.com. And we will talk to you next time. I love you all. Oh, hang on. Just one second. Hello? Yeah, this is she. Hi. Great. Okay. Great. Thank you so, so much for doing that. You too. Bye. <clears throat> I left clothes in the closet of my hotel in Milwaukee and they're shipping them to me. Oh, nice. <laughs> I saw That's a Milwaukee nice number and I left my 
my glasses at the arena and then oh, i no. left i left a dress and a shirt in the closet in the hotel oh. in milwaukee and i was like man this trip is just taking things from me <laughs> so, <laughs> i saw Mil i saw a milwaukee number and i was like that is one of my belongings <laughs> now we have our intro <laughs> um where are we at what was i talking oh yeah 